0: Good morning. How is everyone? Good morning. I hope you're doing well. I have something that might be a little bit different this morning because I feel that I can only preach from my life. I can't preach to you with any conviction things I've read about or things I've heard about. I can only preach things that come from my life. So this morning... I'm going to preach on just a little slice of my life this morning, and I I pray that that's okay, and as I said, it might be a little bit different, but I think that you'll be able to relate. Now, the spring and the early summer is without a doubt the most busy time of the year for my family, for my wife and I. Many people might think, oh, isn't Christmas time the busiest time of the year for you? No way, Christmas doesn't hold a candle against baseball season. Okay, right now we're in baseball season. It is extremely busy. If you can remember, about a month ago, uh, it was my turn to preach, and I actually had to trade with our youth youth pastor, Adam, and it was the service where his friend was injured in a skiing accident came, and it ended up being a great service, but I had to trade him because my schedule was so crazy. Now, some of you with kids or that have had kids when you were younger may understand. You know, if you don't have multiple kids, allow me to explain what I'm talking about. I have two sons that play baseball. We've been playing ever since T-ball, okay? We've been doing this for a number of years. And between those two boys, in the span of about two months, maybe a little bit over two months, we have 50 baseball games. Now, that, that is a lot, and... What it means is, and that's not including fifteen baseball, fifty baseball games, not including practices, uh, not including all the other stuff, not including the tournaments that we're going to. So what that translates to, as luck would have it, as chance would have it, none of those baseball games overlapped because they're in different leagues, and it just so happens that none of them overlapped. So what that translates to is, in the span of a couple months, we have baseball about six days a week. Okay, so. It is an extremely busy time of the year for my wife and I. Now, unless it rains, in which my wife and I are happy, most likely we're on the ball fields this time of the year. Now, it is getting close to being over with, but that's how my life is right now. That's how our life is right now. Now, young people, if I can offer you any advice, people that do not have children yet, someday maybe you'll have children. If I can offer you any advice... Don't be a dummy like me and have your kids so far apart that they have to play in different leagues. You see, I've got one that's in a Babe Ruth league, and my next son is about three years apart, and he plays in a 12-U rec league. So what that means is two different ball schedules, two different practice times. So have your kids closer together. They can be on the same team. So. So it doubles our schedule. Now, I want to tell you just a typical, uh, a typical day in my life right now, okay? Now, most of the time on a normal day, I get home from work about 20 after 4, okay? Now, all of our ball games, all, all games through the week, unless it's maybe a Saturday or a Sunday, they're, they're always at 6 p.m., okay? Well, me being involved in baseball, I got to be there early to get the fields ready and so on and so forth. So if our game's at six, I gotta be there at least an hour early. So I get home at twenty after four, and if we have a home game, I'm leaving less than a half hour later from getting home from work, yelling at the kids, "Where's your ball glove? Get your stuff together. Get it in the truck. Come on, we gotta go. I gotta be there." So it's always kind of hectic, and someone's always missing their ball cap or something or other. We're grabbing gear bags, throwing them in the truck, and you got this and that and. And we're off, so I'm home barely a half hour, maybe 25 minutes to try to eat something real quick, change, get the boys in their gear, and we're gone, and we're on the field. Now, that's if it's a home game, which is only a few miles from our home. If it's an away game, we've, we've traveled clear down to Morgan. That's about 50 minutes from my house, so sometimes we're getting home. I get home from work, and immediately we're leaving. There's no time for anything to eat or anything. You're immediately leaving, driving to get to this ball game, okay, so... And then, I don't know what it is, but no one seems to adhere to the time limits of the baseball game, okay? What it is in different leagues, there are time limits. For a 12 u rec league, it's you can't start an inning past an hour and 40 minutes. And that, what that does is it keeps the baseball games a somewhat sensible time, Okay? Uh, in my oldest boys, it's about two hours. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I think it's two hours. You can't start an inning past two hours. Brothers and sisters, some of these ball games has been three and a half hours. It's pushing four hours, which means we're getting home sometimes after nine o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, does anyone else not see this? We've been on this ball diamond for almost four hours, but I don't know what it is. So I get home, and we're leaving immediately, and we're on the ball fields all day, and we're getting home when it's dark, and hurry up and wolf something down and get to bed and go to work in the morning and do it all again the next day. Now this lasts for, like I said, a little bit over two months. So that's how my life is right now. And you might think, then why do you do it? You're the one that chooses to do it. You might think that. That's a valid point. Valid question. And I'll tell you why. Simply put, we love baseball. My family loves baseball. We do. We love to play baseball. We love it. We go to Morgan, Dresden, Zanesville, Philo, Riverview, Maysville, Westminster Kingdom, Hopewell. We go all over. As soon as church is over today, brothers and sisters, I'm packing up and I'm going to Crooksville for a doubleheader. That's a haul from my house. Now, we do all this stuff because we love baseball. We do. My dad, my dad was a great ball player. Many of you may not know that. Some of you may. He was a great ball player in his day. Uh, I played some baseball in my day. It wasn't real good, but I still played and still loved it. Uh, my boys, they love baseball. They, they love baseball. If you say, what's your favorite sports, boys? They'll say, baseball, baseball, we love baseball. And they're, they're always itching for the baseball season to come around. My wife, my wife loves baseball. She'll tell you. It's because it's the only sport she can understand. And those are her words, not mine. Uh, for me... Uh, there's nothing better than a dad, me being a dad, watching my boys out there on the ball field to make a good play, to hit a nice shot, make a nice throw. There's nothing better. I mean, it's just special to me. You you, you know, fathers, you got pride in your sons, pride out there watching them. You, you love watching your boys go out there and bang with other boys. Man, I love it. I just love it. So if you're wondering why do you stick to this crazy schedule, that's why. I, I love it. I enjoy it. I love the kids. I love, love being with the boys. And, and my oldest son, you know, he's getting a little older now, and the boys in the dugout joke around, and we laugh. We have a good time with each other. And it's just great to be around those kids and try to teach them. and Just more than sports, try to show them that they can compete in this life. Now, I remember, and I will get to a point. Just please be patient with me. As a father, I remember the very first what's called Little League home run that my son hit. Uh, What that is, is it's kind of like an inside-the-park home run. And I remember exactly where it is. As poor as my memory is, I remember every single detail about it. Uh, It was on the upper Stormont, Stormont Field in New Concord, and my boy comes up to the plate, and it was in coach pitch. This was maybe five years ago, I'll say. And my boy comes up to the plate, and coach pitches the ball. Now, I'm, I'm coaching first base. I'm on first base, and, I, and I'll explain what that means if you're not familiar with baseball, but the coach pitches it. The pitch comes in. My boy takes a hack at it, and he nails it, and it goes to right field, and this poor little guy in right field going like this, and it goes sailing over his head, and if you've ever been to a little league game, as soon as the ball's hit, there, everybody screams, Run, do this, do that. You've heard that before, right? Kids don't hardly know what they're doing sometimes, running the wrong base, so on and so forth. Oh, he hits this ball and smokes one, and it goes over the right fielder's head and rolls out to the fence, and everybody starts yelling, Run, run, get the ball, get the ball, throw it. So I'm on first base. Now the point of the first base, or the point of me coaching first base is the player doesn't watch where he hit the ball. The player, as he runs the first, watches the first base coach to see whether he should keep running or if I hold him off. Well, I knew he had a good shot, so I'm waving him through. But me, I got a little excited because it was my son. I waved him through like this, (laughs) about threw my arm out of socket. So I'm saying, run, screaming it at the top of my poor little guy's running around the bases. He gets around second, and the third base coach is doing the same thing. Run, run. So he rounds third base, and he's going home, and finally the little guys get the throw. The throw comes in. It ends up being a bad throw. Catcher misses it. Boy slides in home plate. All of his buddies come out of the dugout running and celebrating, you know, because don't happen too often. And they're all cheering, and my boy walks off the field like he's Jose Canseco. <laughs> I'm off first base holding my arm because it's thrown out of socket. <laughs> you know, and... I just never forget it. I remember going to work that night, replaying that play over and over in my head, and how proud I was of my boy, and how proud I was to be a part of that. And I'll never forget it, and I have many other memories, but well, that's just one I thought I would share with you this morning so that I could get my point across to you. I love baseball. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a great sport. It's a great game, and it teaches our young kids that they can compete in life. Now, I'm not trying to get my kids to the major leagues. I'm not one of those parents. Not by any means, not at all, but that was just something special to me. Maybe you think it's foolish, that's okay. Maybe you think it's goofy, that's okay. You can think it's goofy. You know, each of us are into different things, but to me it wasn't. It was very special. I enjoyed that very much. Now, I've been involved in coaching one way or another since T-Ball. We've been doing this for about eight years, and now we're up on the big diamonds, and it's really exciting. We're playing on the high school fields, on the nice ball fields, and Gantt Stadium, and all the other high school areas around here, and we have a lot of fun, and it's nice, and it's, it's a blast to watch and be involved in. Brothers and sisters, I've chalked fields. I've drugged fields. I've painted fields. I've got concession stands ready. I've Booked umpires, I've been an umpire, I've argued with umpires, I've helped kids with bloody, bloody lips, I've helped kids with broken bones, uh, you name it, I've been involved in it on the ball diamond. I've broke up fights, I've gotten hit by baseball, I always teach my kids, you're in there and you get hit with a pitch, don't even rub it, throw your bat down run to first base, let them other guys think you're a robot or a machine, be tough. <laughs> And uh, one time I was standing there helping this boy learn how to pitch, and I was standing in a batter's box getting him used to pitch to a, a batter, and I got peeled in the shin. Now, I acted tough. The little kid pitched, one, nailed me right in the shin. Then I said, oh, it's okay, keep pitching. And I got home, and I told him, well, Shannon, I got hit. Is it, is it bleeding? Look, it hurts. It hurts. It does. Brothers and sisters, I've yelled at kids. I've celebrated with kids. You name it. We've done it. I, I've put a lot into this. I've sacrificed a lot so that we can all play baseball, so that my team can play baseball. Sacrifice a lot of time. Uh, we'll be playing today. I think it's supposed to get up to 90 degrees. I'll be out there baking, but I'm willing to sacrifice it so my team can play ball because we love playing baseball. Now, as much as I enjoy it and all the sacrifices that I make, So that my sons can play. That our team can play. All the work that I put into it. There's one thing that I can't take as a coach, as a dad. There's one thing that makes me want to quit and not do it anymore. One thing. And that's when a talented boy shows up. A boy that has excellent hand-eye coordination. A boy that you know, because you've had him for a while, you know he knows the fundamentals of the game. A boy that has ability. He His speed, he can throw laser beams. A boy that you know, he knows what he's doing. When he shows up, and doesn't give you all of his effort. He only gives you 50% effort. His head's not in the game. That's one thing I can't take as a coach. You should leave it all out on the field. Give me 100%. If you don't make the play, that's okay, but you better give me all that you've got. That's the one thing I can't take is when a talented boy, you've seen him make excellent plays. You've seen, you know how fast he can run and how hard he can throw the ball. But when he's out there and his head's not in the game, he's tired or whatever excuse may be. the excuse may be, he's out there loafing around. Looks like he's never seen a baseball. Looks like he's never played a game of baseball before. Uh, that, that's what I can't take as a coach. That bugs me. Because I'm out here sacrificing all this. You better give me 100%. Now, I call it the meh attitude. Eh, if I make the play, I make the play. If I don't, I don't. Eh, what's it matter? Not that big of a deal. It's the meh attitude, a, a lack of interest No enthusiasm, heads not in the game, the boys totally capable of making the play, totally capable of hitting the ball, but eh, it's not today, not into it today. Boy, that makes me so mad as a coach. You you know, because here I am, doing all this stuff, chalking these fields, sacrificing my time, sweating, you wonder why my skin's so dark, it's because I'm on the ball field all the time. I'm doing all this stuff, and you're only going to give me 20% of your talents, you're only going to give me a little bit of your effort. You know what? I got buddies that call me to go golfing. I'll stay home and go golfing with them. If, if this is what we're going to do, we're going to come out here and just look like we never played this game before, I'll go golfing. You know what? My wife is a good cook, and she hasn't been doing any cooking lately because we're running so much. I'll stay home and have my wife cook me a dinner. Then I'll take a nap afterwards instead of baking out here in the sun. If that's this is how we're going to play, don't waste my time, boys. Now, it just so happens, I brought my ball glove today. Coach Jason brought his ball glove and I brought a baseball. Now listen, don't worry, I'm not going to throw a baseball at you. If I see anybody sleeping, maybe a fastball to wake you up or something like that. I need James Henderson to come down here for a moment. I'm going to show you something as a coach. Don't worry, no one's going to get hurt. We're not going to throw the baseball around. I got my faithful friend James to help me out. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you two different ways from a coaching perspective that what I like to see as a coach, this is what I want to see. And then I'm going to show you what I don't like to see. And I've seen the same boy, the same boy do it both ways. Okay? And what James is going to do, in case you're not from real familiar with baseball, I'm going to show you two different ways to field a ground ball. One, the first boy, which I'll simulate, is going to be ready. He's going to want the ball. He's going to be hoping it's hit to him. He's going to give you all of his effort. But the second boy, his head's not going to be in the game, okay? He's hoping it doesn't come to him. He's not paying attention. So that's what we're going to do. Now listen. Hang on a second, James. This first boy, look. He's down and ready, okay? He's on the balls of his feet. He's not flat-footed. He's on the balls of his feet so that he can move left or right, wherever he needs to do, or charge forward or run back, or even elevate for a line drive, okay? He's in the down and ready position, okay? As a coach, I shouldn't have to say that every play, but I do. Boys, down and ready. If not, they'll stand there like this. So the coach wants to see a boy down and ready on the balls of his feet, ready, hoping that the ball, the ball comes to him. This boy here, this first boy, he's scanning the field, before the pitch, he's scanning the field seeing, where's the runner's at? What am I going to do if this ball's hit to me? He's going to see the boy at the plate. The last time he was up, he went up the middle, or he hit it down left field line. That's what this player's doing. This player here is hungry. He wants the ball. He wants to make a play. He wants to use his God-given talents that he's got. Okay, so here's what it is. Now, this boy's down and ready. He, he's ready for the pitch, or he's ready for the play. He's hoping that it comes to him. Okay, go ahead, James. This man charges the ball. He makes the play, and he takes big steps. I won't throw the baseball. But after that, he's going to throw a laser beam over there to the first base to make the out. Okay, That's what a coach likes to see. When the ball was hit, we're going to trade sides now. The ball was hit. This man, he didn't wait for it to come to him. He went after the ball. It was a slow rolling ground ball. If he waits, that runner has all the more time to get the first base. But the man that's hungry, that wants to make the play, charged after it. Okay, he went after the ball. He didn't wait for it to come to him. He went after the ball. Okay, now here's this second guy. This is, note the differences between the two players, okay, from a coaching perspective. This guy here, he don't know where the runners are. He don't know if there's any runners on first or second because he's not paying attention. He don't, he don't know how many outs there is. He don't know what inning it is. He didn't pay attention when the batter was up the first time where he went. He's kicking the dirt. He's standing flat footed. He's not in the down and ready stance. Okay. He's hoping that the ball doesn't come to him. Don't don't hit it to me. I ain't feeling it today. I don't want. His head is thinking about playing video games at home. Okay? And here's what he does when the ball's hit to him. Okay, now did you see the differences? This man when he was over there. He charged at the ball when he saw the ball coming. He went after the baseball. This dude over here, he saw it unfortunately coming his way. He let it slowly roll to him. He wasn't down and ready. He wasn't able to move left or right. If the ball had been left or right, it would have been a base hit all day. All he did was knelt down and let the ball come to his glove. He didn't trap the ball with his other hand. He reached down and picked it up, and then he stood flat-footed and threw it like this. He didn't take the big steps that the coach liked to see an infielder make and throw the baseball thank you James round of applause for my faithful assistant (laughs) now brothers and sisters we didn't come to New Hope this morning to learn about baseball we're not here to glorify the sport of baseball okay I have a point for all of this don't go home and tell your friends and family New Hope Church doesn't talk about God. They talk about sports and baseball. They preach about baseball. That's not the point whatsoever. We're here to glorify the Lord. We always are. Please don't ever question that. And if anyone does preach anything other than Christ at this church, they won't be up here for long. Amen? Now, about a week ago, my boys played like bombs. Played like bombs, okay? The both of them. For what reason? I don't know. And it may or may not have been my own sons that did this. Man, I was just salty as could be. Just sour as could be. Because I know what my sons are capable of. I know what they're capable of. I know what our ball teams are capable of, okay? We've been doing this a long time. So about a week ago, they played like bums. Looked like they'd never seen a baseball in their life. And it just made me so mad. I've seen my boy make some spectacular plays that I, plays that I never made at that age when I was a kid. And he's out there making some spectacular plays on some days, but on this particular day, it looked like he never even played the sport. Couldn't catch a beach ball if it was lofted to him. <laughs> and boy, I was just mad as could be. I was some days. You see my boys, I run around them bases, look like jackrabbits out there spinning around them bases. Then other days. Out there just jogging <laughs> like they. This ain't a walking apart. This is baseball. Run the bases. So, as a coach and a father, I was mad at my sons. Play baseball. Throw the ball. What are you doing? I've seen them throw laser beams before. Then, other times, it, they throw it more high than they do far. It goes, whoo. And I'm. What in the world are you doing? Throw the baseball. Swing the bat. What are you doing staring at pitches right down the middle? Swing the bat. Come on. And I was so mad and I I was woofing at my boys and telling them to give it all they got. I don't care if you're the best or the worst player out there, but you better give all of your effort is what I constantly tell them. And I, I was woofing at them and I was mad and I was complaining to my wife, telling them, what's the matter with these boys? They need to go out there and play baseball. And I was thinking in the back of my mind, I I could be playing golf right now. If want would come out and play like this. So I was angry. I was mad. And in the midst of being angry like that, a thought popped into the back of my head. Because, brothers and sisters, I relate everything back to to God. Everything I relate back to the Word, I, I do. And I was angry at the way they played. Didn't give much effort. And I thought to myself, how many times... Have I showed up on God's ball club and not given all that I've had? How many times have I done the same thing my boys just did in a spiritual manner? How many times have I showed up and just wasn't into it today? And I started to begin to think about that. And How many times have I had the meh attitude? Eh, If I make the play, I make the play. If I don't, I don't. Eh, Tomorrow's another day, Whatever. How many times have I not hustled for God? How many times have I not given him 100% of my effort? How many times have I done that but never really thought anything about it? Well, if my boys do that on a ball field, I'm all over them. And then I begin to think, I wonder if the coach of that team kind of gets angry when he looks down and sees us giving 50% effort, giving him no hustle. I wonder if that coach gets angry. Eh, Just not today, a little tired, didn't get much sleep last night. Mm. How many times have we done that, brothers and sisters? I'm just not feeling it today, not today. We'll we'll deal with that tomorrow, not today. I'm I'm just resting today. You know, as many times as I think about my boys on my team, hey, do you know how much time I'm sacrificing into all this and I get angry when they play bad? I wonder if God says, Jason, do you know what I've sacrificed For you to have salvation? Do you know what I've given so that you could be here today? So that you could have this life that you have? Do you know what I gave behind the scenes for you to come out here and go, eh, not today. I'm tired today. Do you know what I've given? You know, The Bible actually tells us what God gave for us to have salvation. It says so in John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only son for us to come out here and go, eh, I I'll, might I'll try, I'll make the play. If it doesn't work out, then eh, I tried. For us to give 50% effort, 30% effort, 3 quarters of a percent effort. God saying, wait a minute. Do you know what I gave for you to have salvation, for you to be saved, for you to have hope? I gave my son for you. My my son was humiliated, beaten, bled, stripped naked, whipped, punched, kicked, mocked, falsely accused. All of these things, for you to come out here and go, eh, I, I just wonder if that coach gets a little bit angry. Well, I believe just sometimes as Christians, as brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, I believe that we approach Christianity like eh. The Bible tells us how we should approach Christianity. It says in Matthew chapter 22 verse 37. It says Jesus said unto him, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment." Brothers and sisters, if you look at that scripture, it doesn't just tell you to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul and mind. It, it says all of your heart, all of your, Notice that word all. It's in all three of those, heart, soul, and mind, all of them, which means love the Lord thy God with all of thy faculties, everything within you. That's how we should approach Christianity. That's how we should approach salvation. That's how we should come to church with everything within us. Time to worship, I'm giving everything I've got. Time to preach, I'm giving everything that I've got. Time to pray or study my word, I'm going all out. I'm going to give 100% effort at this thing. I'm going to leave it all out on the field. That's what the Bible says. Jesus says that's the greatest commandment of them all. Everything else hangs off of that commandment right there of loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. All of those faculties, everything. Everything. Not a percentage, all. Mm, That word all. Brothers and sisters, not half, not three quarters. Not when you feel like it or when you don't or when you do. Not on good days. Not on mountaintops or valleys. It just says all. Wherever you are in your life. Loved one pass away. Loved one sick. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Psalms. Psalms. 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, in all that is within me. Bless His holy name. All that's within me. How did your worship time go this morning, brothers and sisters? What were you thinking about? Did you come here? What attitude did you bring with you this morning? Let me ask you something. This morning, during worship, were you in the down and ready position? Hoping on the balls of your feet? Hoping that it comes to you? Eager? Willing to give all that you've got? Or are you flat-footed? I hope pastor don't call on me to pray. Or I'm here, I'm showed up. And and it's not just how we show up to church. It's how we live our whole entire lives. Everything that we respond to. Everything that we deal with. The way we do our jobs. The way we interact with people. Do you approach it half-heartedly? Or do you give everything that you've got? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Did you come to church this morning? How can I serve? Coach, put me in the game. I want to make a play. I want to do something. I want to be useful. I don't want to sit the bench. Because you know, from a coaching's perspective, you know what happens to players? Even if they're talented, you know what happens to players when they're out there just loafing around? They're going to sit the bench. They're going to take, be taken out of the game. Now look at what the Bible says. And this is, this is pretty neat, but how much of our hearts are we supposed to love God with? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 says, All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Listen, how much of your heart should you trust God with? Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Okay, how much of your heart should you pray with? The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, And ye shall seek me and ye shall find me when you seek me with all your heart. All of it. That's how you should pray. Brothers and sisters, you're not going to find them seeking them. Lord, lay me down to seat. Thank you. Help keep me good. Help me to behave. Apologize for saying what I said earlier. Amen. Are you going to tell me that's all you got? from a coaching perspective, that's all you got. Brothers and sisters, in this room this morning, we don't realize the potential that we have. What God has stored in each individual. The measure of faith that He's put into you. The talents and the abilities and the giftings that He's put in each individual in this room. Are you giving them all to God? Are you using them? Are you leaving it all out on the field? When you die... And you stand before God, can you look back at the memories of your life and say, Lord, I didn't do much good, but I left it all out on the field. Or are you going to say, Lord, you gave me all these talents, but I was afraid. I was tired. My job didn't allow me to. Mm. How much of your heart should you repent with? Joel 2:12 says therefore also now saith the lord turn ye even unto me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning brothers and sisters if you look at the bible nowhere does it tell us to approach god with a lack of interest with a eh, attitude nowhere And everywhere in the Bible, all throughout it, we are to approach God, approach life, approach Christianity with all that we have, given all that we are. Nowhere in the Bible are we instructed to have a lack of enthusiasm. No way. It's not in there, not that I can find. We are to give it all to Him. We're to show up and ready. Because whether you like it or not, you have God's uniform on. If you call yourself a Christian, you got his uniform on. There's been a couple of ball games. My son's uniform, says muskies right there across his jersey. You know, we're kind of proud of that. But there's been a couple of games, I'm like, I wish it wasn't there. Eesh. It says muskies, and look how we're playing. This is embarrassing. This other school's going to say, hey, that John Glenn team's a joke. <laughs> but whether you want to acknowledge it or not, if you are calling yourself a Christian, you got God's uniform on. You are. And you're out there on the field, and people can see you, and you're either standing there flat-footed, kicking the dirt, not paying attention, hoping it's not hit to you, hoping you don't ever have to step up and make a play, or you're down and ready, creeping, itching for the ball to come to you. Now, there's a story in the Bible to me that captures the correct attitude that I feel we should display, and I kind of like this story. It's the story of Philip and the eunuch, and it's found in Acts chapter eight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter eight, where I'll start in verse twenty-six. We can get that up on the screen. <clears throat> Acts eight, verse twenty-six. Now listen, it says, And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south, unto the way that goeth down to Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose, and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet, then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran hither and heard him reading Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you read? And he said, How can I accept man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he'd come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before his shear. so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaks this prophet, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And they went on their way, and they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all thine heart, thou mayest. mayest." And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of God caught Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing brothers and sisters, I believe that's the attitude that we need to have, the one of the eunuch. Now, think about it. Here he is, for some reason or other, this man is drawn to read. Back then, it would just have been the Old Testament. And he's reading in the book of Isaiah. And he's reading, and Philip sees him. And first of all, I like Philip's attitude. The Spirit speaks to Philip and tells him to go near to this man that's reading the Bible. And the Bible says in verse 30, And Philip ran hither to meet him. Now the Spirit commanded Philip, Philip takes off running towards the man. He didn't say, well, I get to it. He didn't Get Philip was in a down and ready position, hoping, looking what, to see what he could do for his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for an opportunity. What can I do? I'm ready. I'm down and ready. I'm creeping. I'm, I'm paying attention. I hope I can make a play. The Spirit says to him, this man's reading the Bible. Go to him. And Philip, it says he ran to him. He runs to this eunuch. Now, I like the eunuch's attitude as well. This eunuch, he's unsaved, and something's drawing him to the word, and he's reading Isaiah and doesn't particularly understand it. And the Bible says Philip preaches Jesus Christ to him because that's what those scriptures are in in reference to, the book of Isaiah. So Philip preaches Jesus to him, and I like his attitude. I like his response. When this man gets Christ preached to him, the, the eunuch says, there's water. I want baptized. What do I got to do to get baptized? See, this man, he's in a down and ready position also. He's not saying, I'll think about it. Or, eh, let me me think about it for a few days. Or, I'll get back with you. Or, well, I don't know about this. This sounds a little fishy to me. Or, maybe, maybe not. This man says, there's water. What do I got to do to be baptized? What's hindering me right now? And Philip says, well, you got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And this man states it plain and simple. He says... I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they go down there and they get baptized. And brothers and sisters, that's the right attitude to have. Here's water. I want baptized. What do I got to do to get baptized? This man has a single track mind. He's not like a wave, tossed to and fro, undecisive. No, this man is down and ready and wanting to make a play. And he sees what he likes. He goes after it. He gets baptized. And I like how... Philip is taken away. The eunuch looks around after he's baptized. He don't see him. He ain't worried about that. He goes about his business rejoicing and worshiping the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that's the good attitude. That's the right attitude. So I ask you, what attitude do you have towards your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you in the down and ready position? Or are you standing flat-footed? I just wonder. Now, one last scripture that I want to bring up this morning in Colossians 3. Philip ran to the eunuch. I love that. He runs to him. Where can I be plugged in? What can I do? I'm not going to stand here idle. I'm not going to just take up space. I'm here to do something. It's a good attitude. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Brothers and sisters, I love that scripture. That is a good scripture. You know what it's telling us? Whatever you do, do it right. Do it as if you are accountable to God because we are accountable to God. Now, see, we as Christians got to see things in a spiritual realm. Too bad. Too many times we look at our boss as the one we report to. In in an earthly manner, I do report to my boss. You do report to your boss or whoever you're accountable to. But all of us, ultimately, the Bible is saying, hey, what you do, do it as though you're going to report to God because we do. At the end of our life, we will give an account to the way we approach our lives. Now, I don't care. If you're grocery shopping, do it right to those you're going to give an account to God. I don't care if you're mowing your lawn. Mow it right as though you're going to say, God, is this okay? Do everything that you do, do it right, and do it with 100% effort. I don't care if you're fixing your car. Do it right to the best of your abilities. Now, no one, myself, no coach in the world can ask you to play beyond your abilities, okay? It's incapable. We're incapable of that. But what a coach can ask Is for all that you are capable of, perform that way. Brothers and sisters, do it. Do everything, do your job. Do the job to your job. I don't care if you flip hamburgers and you hate your job. Flip the hamburger and act as though you had to present each burger to God to inspect for him to say, that's good. Or for him to say, no, do it again. Everything we do, we should do it heartedly as unto the Lord parenting. We should parent wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. I should be raising these children. You and I should be raising children to be able to say, Lord, did I do this right? I'm doing the best I can. Am I doing this right? Do it right. Husband and wives, be a husband to the best of your ability. Give it 100%. Don't look at it as half-heartedness or "Eh, we had a flame, but It's kind of gone out, or we're old. Do it right, the way it's supposed to be done, as though you were answering to God. Mm. Whatever you're doing, worshiping, praying, do it right. Do it with all your ability. Reading your word, cleaning your house, I don't care what it is, do it right. Do it wholeheartedly, as unto the Lord. Too many times we loaf through life I've been guilty of it so many times. Do it right because you have his uniform on. You do. You have his uniform on. And people that you work with, they can see that you have his uniform on. What representation are you? What attitude do you take with you to work? Day in and day out. Do you go to work miserable and hating life? And people see that and think, I don't want anything to do with Christianity if that's what it is brothers and sisters do everything you can to the best of your ability now I want to bring this to a close but we represent him we represent God I'm not saying that the next time you come to church to worship you got to sing louder than anyone else I'm not saying that or or if you have to pray for a service I'm not saying scream until you're hoarse I'm not saying that I'm saying, be sincere. I'm saying, be genuine, because it's God, because it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Really, He that is the only thing worth giving all to. Should I give myself all to to money and to chase money, I'm gonna die anyway, whether I'm rich or poor. God, the Bible, His Word, Jesus Christ, the Spirit, Those things are worth pouring out all of me, all of you into. It's worth it. Now, Booth, if you would like to play, maybe we can dim some of these lights. I'm going to open this altar up with this. He saved me. He saved me. And if you're a born-again Christian, he saved you from eternity in hell. He saved me. Brothers and sisters, let's not approach Christianity with the meh attitude. Let's go after it. Let's chase God down. Let's let him know, Lord, I'm on your ball team. I'm here to play. I'm down and ready, and I hope the ball's hit to me because I'm going to do something. Even if you do it wrong, I'm still going to do something. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to open these altars up if you've been approaching it lackadaisically if you've been giving him half your effort come down here and tell God I'm sorry Lord I'm sorry and help ask the Lord to refocus you on what's important in life ask God to help you at your job if you hate it he'll help you to do it well and he'll deliver you someday brothers and sisters these altars are open the Lord is worthy amen